It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Here you go. Here you go. Flex. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Friday, May 12th, 2023. I'm flexing here live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Look at these muscles. No, I'm flexing about my background and all the cool memorabilia I have. Flexing is such a funny word. Flexing is when you say, hey, I can touch my toes. Or, hey, I can show off that I've got cool stuff. Or if you're the NFL, flexing is when you say, we get so much money from our network partners that if it turns out that we choose games with teams who stink, we're gonna flex them right on out of here and bring on new teams who are good. Yesterday was the schedule release and I sat around all day with my mouth on the floor, looking at video after video, team after team announcing their schedules like somehow they had discovered gold. They figured out how to capture the imaginations of our youth, how to be so creative that they deserve a Peabody Award. Metaphors mixing here on a Friday morning. Yes, I watched the Titans video where no one knew any logos. Sure, it was cool that the TikTok guy can use some sort of geometric center thing to find out where you are. Yes, I like the fact that teams are competing. No, I don't. In the front office, you have to meet with your marketing department and you have to say, all right, let's get an outside ad agency. Let's pay a little extra money because I don't think we have the quality inside here, but if we have the quality inside here, that means that we need you to put together out of nowhere this video because now it's a thing. I don't know why it's a thing. What's the value added? They won the day in social media. What? monetization results from these scheduled videos. Oh my God, I would not have gone to a Titans-Falcons game. Now I'm gonna go because that schedule video was so darn good. So I'm watching it all and I'm watching everyone complain. That's funny to me. I don't like my schedule, my strength of schedule. We have the third hardest schedule. We have the 19th hardest schedule based on records of last year, except players are in different teams and you don't know exactly who's going to be good, who's not going to be good, except the simulator is done, which means the NFL season's already done. And by the way, if the whole thing's scripted already, then who gives a rat's ass anyway? So I'm looking around and I'm looking at the teams and I do suffer when I see announcements like schedule announcements, because I know what it was like when our schedule came out with the Marlins. I do. I was very focused on game times, opponents, whether or not we'd have the Yankees at home as a way that we could increase our revenue when the Yankees would draw and the Yankees were good and it mattered. But the other thing that I waited for was the national broadcast schedule. How many Sunday night games are we on? Hey, look, zero. All right, how many Saturday Fox games do we have? Zero. 
We've got Stanton, Yelich, Ozuna. We've got an interesting team that won 79 games last year. We have personalities. We are Florida. We are Miami. Every year. Hey, Skipper. Ironically, now working with Skipper. I'd say, hey, Skipper, how we doing? You really love the Marlins, don't you? Come on, man. You think the entire country wants to see Yankees, Red Sox every single week? It's enough. And he would say, as a matter of fact, David, yes, they do. And I would say that's the Northeast at most. Such a complex we would have in Miami and all the other teams. I wonder whether or not they're sitting there in Houston saying, wow, we have zero, zero primetime games. Not only does our team stink, we can't figure out whether our owners are involved and they're doing the draft or they're not. They claim they're not doing the draft, even though why it even has to be written about that he and his wife, uh, those, uh, him and his wife, the McNairs, deciding whether they're going to draft C.J. Stroud. That's even a topic makes me laugh. Atlanta Falcons, zero. The Cardinals without Kyler Murray, zero. The Indianapolis Colts without Peyton Manning, zero. All the way to the top where the Chiefs, Chargers, Bills, and Cowboys get six. You know where you stand when you're running one of those teams that barely get any coverage. You know the reason is that you don't have a big enough fan base and that your team's not supposed to be good enough. But what about the teams at the top of the list who get all these primetime games every year, even when their team's going to be bad? How is that motivating to them? Oh, I want to get a ring. I want to be as good as I can. I sell out either way. I can't do anything to upset my fan base. We have a waiting list. It's just a blind faith that you all have in your teams. How do you build that when a team is starting and doesn't have that? How do you build a loyal following when you start with zero? Hmm. I don't know anyone who has started a show with no listeners and built up a loyal group, a loyal audience who would follow that person anywhere. I just can't think of an example. I mean, the grind that's required, doing it every day. I appreciate you, everybody out there, I really do. What else did I find funny in that schedule? There's a guy who had to explain what flex scheduling was. He had to say, hey, we got the Packers there, but don't worry. If they turn out to not be good and Jordan Love stinks, we could flex them out. But people love the Packers and the Packers have shown they're really good. They've shown they can get rid of quarterbacks like Favre and bring in Rodgers and not miss a beat. Now they got rid of Rodgers, bring in Love. They're not going to miss a beat. Where's that come from? Where does it say that Jordan Love, he may stink. I also liked him explaining this guy, Andy North. That's not his first name. I think that's the golfer. True North. Kendall North, what's the first name, Coca? Whatever, North North, Mr. North, schedule guy. He explained why the Lions are opening up the season against the Chiefs, and he said, I could have put Dopey, Larry, Sneezy, Coca, Sampson, and Associates against the Chiefs, and we'd have eyeballs. So we might as well reward the kneecap-breaking Dan Campbell-led Lions and put them on that day. But then Mike Norris says, by the way, it's not just me. We've got a bunch of computers and this takes a long time. We've got all these different things. And I'm very aware our schedules are done. It is way harder than you think. So when you complain about the short weeks and the number of teams who have short weeks, Coca, you did that. 
He was upset that the Ravens have short weeks. He's worried about player health, maybe, or fans are worried about the fact that their team won't perform as well. It is very difficult to put a schedule together, but all of that said, the computers spit out the schedule, but then human beings and broadcasters and marketing people and PR people, they look at it and say, I'd like to make this tweak. Let's run it through the Sylvester McMonkey McBean machine and see whether or not it's still gonna be okay. Let's tweak a little bit about strength of schedule. There's a lot of human involvement in the schedule in the NFL and having the Lions there is actually the perfect example of it. So for me, it will be interesting to see what happens because the season will go on. There is now way more flexibility in terms of ESPN and their Monday night package. As a matter of fact, there's an even bigger discussion because the schedule that was announced included a ESPN plus exclusive game. That's right, the London game between the Falcons and the Jaguars, get ready, that's an exciting one, at 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday when all of us degenerates are up because we can't sleep and we're looking for some action, we're gonna be watching and uh-oh, we better get ESPN+. Plus. We're gonna talk about this more with John Skipper, but if you think that this isn't full Karen Carpenter, then you're not paying attention. We've only just begun. What do you think Tom Brady's doing right now? Tom Brady figuring out his post-career, figuring out whether he's gonna get involved in any other startups, figuring out if he can invest in any more companies that go bankrupt or figure out if he can get any money out that he's put in. So now Tom Brady is going to not be a starting quarterback in the NFL and the NFL is gonna have to get ready and they are going to make a very big deal out of him going back to New England He's gonna have his number retired. Robert Kraft made a big thing of it. It's opening day, or they don't call it opening day in the NFL. Week one, they're gonna honor him and, and retire his number 12 or whatever they're gonna do. But then what's he gonna do? Wouldn't you know it that Adam Schefter has a plan for Tom Brady? And it's not the Miami Dolphins, but it is what all former GOATs want. They wanna continue their relevance and prove and, and this is not me saying Jeter's a goat, but I'm speaking specifically about Jordan and now specifically about Brady. What they are trying to do is say, I'm really good on the field and I've started my own companies and I've got TB12 and I've got Air Jordan and I've worked, built up billion dollar brands. Now I can run a team. Let me own a team. That's what I want. LeBron's gonna do it. Everybody's trying to get, LeBron wants a basketball team in Vegas. So Schefter's reporting this morning that Tom Brady may become a limited partner in the Las Vegas Raiders. Now that makes me smile because him being a limited partner in the Raiders, is that an investment? You think he's gonna get a valuation, like a discounted valuation, so he'll be able to take advantage of any appreciation and he's doing this as part of diversifying his portfolio? No, that's not at all what's happening. You can argue, and they will, that this is a passive investment. You can argue all you want that he will not be involved. He'll have no control. You can argue all you want and say it so you're blue in the face. It's a bunch of horse hockey. Tom Brady joining an ownership group will have say over operational and football matters, and you're gonna read all day today. You're gonna have protestations from the Brady camp. Oh no, he's too focused on being a dad and driving carpool. He so badly wants to come up with new merchandise that's TB12. 
Horsaki. He is going to get involved in every aspect because he wants to be a principal owner. Of course he does. Everybody wants to be an owner. It's the cool side of the block. Players realize quickly, would you rather be a player or an owner? Boy, I can be an owner for way longer. When I play well, my contract doesn't appreciate. When I play badly, I still get paid. Except in football, it's not all guaranteed. Here's the thing about owners that's so interesting to me. Whether our team sucks or whether we win a ring, the value of that thing keeps going up because there's always the next schmuck who wants to buy a team. The ego premium is fantastic and growing. Look at these sales that are going on right now. Two of them are totally in the news. The Washington Commanders and Man U, the Glazer family, the beloved Glazer family, the absolute creme de la creme of EPL owners. They love them in Manchester so much that I've heard rumors that the Glazers are gonna leave Tampa and they are gonna settle permanently in Manchester like a summer home and a winter home, and they're gonna go be part of the supporters. This sale's been going on for a long time and it got announced today that there is a chance that Man U is finally going to sell a majority of their club, something that I told you was gonna happen many, many moons ago. There's a billionaire, his name is Jim Ratcliffe. He's getting together and their bid is gonna be accepted. More than $6.3 billion. Hmm, why is that an interesting number? Is that because the commander's number is 6.05 and this would become the greatest amount ever paid for a team? And so the Glazers would get to say, look at me, Louie, look what I got. It's going to happen. Man, you is gonna be sold as I told you it would because the Glazers have had enough and it's part of their planning. They are cashing this in, then they will deal with the proceeds and they will be out of the Surus. These owners who get involved in the EPL, man, it's not great. They're hated, absolutely hated. Now, not like Danny Snyder hated. That's a different level. That's like a criminal level. The Glazers, to me, didn't do anything criminal. They just civilly forgot what it is to own an EPL team. And they woefully misunderstood the passion of the supporters, which is a common theme amongst many, many Americans who go over and own and buy EPL teams and why they get run out of town. The commander's situation is a little bit different. And I wanted to touch base to let you know that Josh Harris and his group, they will get the commanders. Word came out that there is progress, but that it's been very complicated. That there's a lot to work through is what a source said. So I just wanna tell you what they're working through. Josh Harris and his group are in the process of getting approved by the NFL, by the NFL Finance Committee, by the NFL Executive Committee, the Ownership Committee, then a group of owners, all the owners will have to vote and he'll need to get 24 votes for his group. But before that vote can happen, every one of the limited partners, and there's like 12 of them, have to be fully vetted. And that may sound like nothing, but have you ever tried to become an ambassador before? Any idea on the amount of paperwork it is to sign up to get something free on the InterGoogle? Multiply that by about infinity. The thing that you have to do to prove that you are a great person, I don't even know how the leagues get it wrong with character judgments. You have references, you have financial disclosures, everything. They know who your college girlfriend was and whether or not you were doing anything on the side. So all of these limited partners are 
trying to get approved. And then on top of that, you still have to negotiate the agreement with Snyder. When you have an agreement in place on a number, just like we had when we sold the, the, the Marlins, you get an agreement in place on a number, but there are hundreds of items to negotiate. Some of them are $20 million items. Some are $200 million items. Some are $100,000 items. Some are $5,000 items. There, it's like doing a collective bargaining agreement. There's so many things to go over and it takes forever because the person who's selling Daniel Snyder says, hey, that's your problem. That liability, take it. The person who's buying is saying, I am giving you an enterprise value of $6.05 billion, but I don't wanna pay for the fact that there was a slip and fall case four years ago that you refused to settle. And now we're gonna have to pay a million dollars. There are hundreds of examples like this throughout a purchase agreement. They have to go through every asset, every football. I'm not kidding. There's a schedule when you buy a football team or a baseball team of every baseball owned by the team. They're counted and they are transferred over in an asset purchase agreement because it's an asset of the team. That's a micro example. How about the number of computers, the number of desk chairs? How about going through all of the leases, all of the things that are owned, all of the pending litigation I could go on? Just know when there's a lot to work through, that's to get the agreement signed between Harris and Snyder. Then Harris has to have signed agreements with all of his limited partners to get all their money. Then the NFL has to approve all those limited partners. Then he's got to sign with Snyder. Then it's got to get voted on. That's a lot. It's going to take a minute, but it's going to happen. So don't worry. I'm not sure that it'll happen by May, but it's going to happen. The other team that has an issue right now, and it's a funny one, is the Ryan Reynolds Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators are a team owned by Eugene Melnick, who made the Glazers, the Hicks family, he made the, wor the worst owner you can think of. He made them all look good. Eugene Melnick was a difficult guy to say the least, not exactly beloved, many of them are not. Sadly, he died in March of 22. He bought the team in 2003. I remember he bought it the year that we were winning the title. The Ottawa Senators have always had problems, but now it is an opportunity for Gary Bettman and the National Hockey League to enter the billion dollar conversation. They are the last league. They have not had a sale over a billion dollars. They've got to get a team sold. They've got to pretend that they are one of the four major sports. And they thought this was the opportunity. The Ottawa Senators, Ottawa, we're talking about Ottawa. Now, I love Montreal more than the next guy. And I've been to Ottawa myriad times, but we're talking about Ottawa. It's not Toronto, it's not Montreal, it's not Vancouver, it's not Calgary, it's not Winnipeg, but it's Ottawa. How amazing would it be for the Ottawa Senators to be sold for a billion dollars? It would be a victory lap for Gary Bettman, way more significant than the Snyders selling the Commanders for 6.05. Roger Goodell's victory lap of getting rid of Snyder would pale in comparison to Bettman selling. So these groups are bidding and you hear about Snoopy Snoop and um, the guy in the Corona commercials with the other guy, the comedian, 
Snoop Dogg. I don't know what his name is now. I've done this. This was like a show from two weeks ago and I got it wrong then too. Is it just Snoop? Whatever. He's on one side. You've got Ryan Reynolds, the Deadpool actor married to the girl from The Savages, Blake Lively. They're apparently in competing groups ready to bid a billion dollars to buy the senators until yesterday. When for whatever reason, it was announced that Ryan Reynolds is no longer in the running to buy the Ottawa Senators. News alert, Ryan Reynolds doesn't have a billion dollars to spend on the Senators. News alert, Ryan Reynolds had to raise the money. News alert, Ryan Reynolds asked for an exclusive window to negotiate with the Melnick family. And the Melnick family said, no. Maybe they listened to nothing personal because giving people exclusive windows is a bad idea. It has a quashing impact on price. It's something that the NHL wouldn't want you to do. And it's something that if you're trying to maximize the value of your team, you don't do. But if you're trying to buy a team and you don't wanna have anyone bidding against you, you ask for, and then don't get the exclusive window. But what I loved was Gary Bettman's statement about Ryan Reynolds and thinking about what Gary's doing today. I can picture him at the coffee shop, maybe he's at three guys on the Upper East Side, and he's just got his hand in his soup. And he's saying, oh, we came so close to getting Ryan Reynolds. Did you know that Ryan Reynolds has social media followers of over 100 million people? Do you know how great it would be to have him as an owner? Hold on, I have a thought, Gary said. Hey, Melnick kids. Any chance we could get the Kardashians to buy the team? Maybe with Selena Gomez and Ariana Grande. What about Ronaldo? I mean, let's get a billion total followers because what'll happen is if Ryan Reynolds had bought the team, he would send a tweet to all of his 100 million followers. It would be like Wrexham. They'd all buy season tickets in Ottawa. Are you kidding me? I get what he's doing. I get it. You want to be you want you want to be cool. It's the whole Jazz Chisholm thing on the cover of MLB the show. These leagues want to be cool. They want to appeal to young people and younger demographics, diverse demographics, everybody. What better way than with celebrity owners or with former goat owners? This is where we are now in the construct of an ownership group. Find me a face. Find me a face which everyone will respond to. But how do you monetize that? All of these famous people, the reason why you end up with the Steve Ballmers of the world or the hedge fund Josh Harris's of the world buying teams is the actual money required to buy a team is so significant that it turns out that all the people on TikTok with 3,000 million followers and all the videos that we all watch and all the people that we love seeing on the silver screen, they're pretty lucky, they're pretty hot, but here's what they're not, liquid enough to buy a team. So we had a good shot there, Gary, you really did. All right, wait to see. Here's a team that's a funny one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got those extra London games. I think we talked about it yesterday. Or maybe that, Coco, was that just with you on the phone yesterday? Or did we talk on the show about the Jaguars going to London two weeks in a row? 
I can't remember when it was, but either way, the Jaguar schedule came out and that wasn't even the biggest news about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And what makes me laugh about them is they're sort of the team who everyone says they have one foot out the door. They're London's team, but they're not. They're Jacksonville's team, but they're not. Now word came out that they're going to be renovating Jacksonville Stadium in Jacksonville. And that's a good deal. There'll be public money used. There'll be private money used. It's all fine, all normal. But they're going to need to find some other place to play for two years. This is a new thing that's happening with teams. You saw it with the Oakland A's. If they move to Vegas, the Vegas Stadium won't be done. They got to figure out where they're going to play. Are they going to move to Vegas? Will they play in the minor league stadium? Don't worry. It's not hot there at all. If you renovate a stadium, you cannot play through. It's like renovating your house. You could do it one section at a time and live with the inconvenience, but in sports, hard to do that. You have to move out and do an Airbnb or get a rental while you're renovating your house or bringing it down to the sticks and rebuilding it. And that's what these renovations are. So word came out, Jacksonville's gone for two years. Where are they gonna go? How's it gonna work? Well, let me give you a wait to see. For all of you people saying that the Jaguars are gonna play in London for two years, and that'll be the way to the NFL will dip their toes in having a team in London. News alert, one team in London doesn't work. You need at least two. Wait to see. The Jaguars will not relocate to London while their stadium's being renovated in Jacksonville. All right, we come back. We're going to review the new Nicolas Cage movie. I'm going to make a correction, and then I'm going to talk about how to vote for MVP and what in the name of sweet Jackie Brown was Mark Jackson doing, leaving Jokic off of his top five MVPs in the NBA. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Hawaii, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. 
That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back. Please give me 20 more minutes of your time on this Friday. I do appreciate it. For those of you who are right now live, please get more people. It's fun. It's 5 a.m. on the West Coast. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? But if you're listening to this, whenever you listen to this, we love you too. As a matter of fact, contractually speaking, we may love you more. No, we love everyone the same. Audience, need it, build it, want it, love it. Especially when we're being bumped off Levitard. Yeah, it's not relevant either, actually. All right, I watched a movie. You know I'm going to watch any movie with Nicolas Cage. He's on my list. There's a list I have that if this actor or actress is in a movie, it will be watched by me, NMW, no matter what. Nicolas Cage on the list. When you've done Valley Girl, when you've done Birdie, when you've done Racing with the Moon, you have earned the right, leaving Las Vegas, you've earned the right. The Elizabeth Shue didn't get that right. Nicolas Cage did from that movie. You have earned the right from me that I'm gonna watch everything you do. And that's no small, easy task with Nicolas Cage because it feels to me that he's in a movie every other day. Renfield is about Dracula. Nicholas Holt plays the master, the servant to Dracula's master played by Nicolas Cage. It is a movie about control, about addiction, about abuse. It's supposed to be a movie about Dracula. But what I took away from it is that when there are people who are victims of domestic violence, there are so many examples, and I don't mean to make this take such a serious turn on a Friday, but there's so many examples where they'll say, I, I can't leave. I don't know how to leave. I don't wanna leave, or I do leave, but then I come back. Our country and the world is littered with victims who have that view. They're trapped, literally trapped by the power of persuasion, by the power of violence, by the power of money, by the power of insecurity. So I'm watching this movie, watching Nicholas Holt go through his journey where he was entrapped by Dracula. And of course there's violence and gore and horror. And it's not a horror movie because I don't watch horror movies. It's not, you know, eh, 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 like Chucky. It's just gory. A lot of blood, there's a lot of killing because Dracula needs blood, so they gotta find bodies and Nicholas Holt finds bodies. I felt like it was warm bodies without Teresa Palmer with domestic violence and spousal abuse and sort of kidnapping. All in all, Renfield is not a good movie because it didn't make me feel good. I do like seeing Cage and Holt. They actually looked good on the screen together. Nicolas Cage has become a bit of a cartoon character, a bit of a character of himself. But if you're looking to save 1999, I'd wait for Renfield to stream for free versus buying the movie. All right, thank you for the correction. I was talking about Cindy Lauper yesterday if you remember the show where I was singing Girls Just Want to Have Fun in the video. And I said that, I can't believe this. I said it was Sweet Lou Albin. Thank you for correcting me. Get on Twitter at David P. Sampson, Instagram, find Coca, find me, put a flare out. When I make a mistake, let me know I'm going to correct it. Of course I know it's Captain Lou Albano. How did I get that wrong? It's embarrassing. Nothing, personal pick of the day. 
Celtics minus two over the Sixers. Winner. Can we talk about that game? Jason Tatum, first team All-NBA, has the worst half, not of his playoff career. The first half was the worst half of his entire career, of any half of any game. In a game six on the road, the best player who's supposed to get you a road win to get you home for a game seven comes out and has the single worst shooting half. Now, I take absolute exception to calling it the worst half of his career because he was doing other things, blocking shots, rebounding, getting steals, all the things that you need, assists, all the things that you need when you can't, you know, throw the ball in the ocean. But here's the thing about a winning player and a first team all NBA player. It's a long game. There's no chance that the second half is gonna be like the first half. He's not gonna go 0 for 20. And when he starts hitting shots, they're gonna be dagger shots. And that's what happened. The Sixers had a chance to close. They looked disorganized. Doc Rivers looked like he was outcoached by the coach of the Celtics who you all think isn't good enough. A total outcoaching job where two days ago was this guy can't call timeouts. The reason Doc Rivers got outcoached is because for you not to be going to Embiid and having Embiid take over a close game in the fourth quarter, he's the damn MVP of the league. But I knew the Celtics would win. There's something about Doc Rivers and the Sixers, and I love Doc as number 25 with the Knicks during our potential championship run in 94. But let me tell you something. There's something about Doc that just doesn't work. So Tatum scores 16 points in the fourth quarter, and now there's a game seven on Sunday. And the NBA was happy. They had a chance for a second game seven. Kevin Durant, Matt Ishbia, Monty Williams, Devin Booker, the Max, DeAndre Ayton, not suited up. Chris Paul, he of the executive council running CBA negotiations, not suited up. And guess what? The Suns got embarrassed on their home court. Turns out that mortgaging your entire team for Kevin Durant, am I the only one who watches Kevin Durant play now and says, wow, he does not look like a top 10 player in the NBA. He didn't make an all, did he make an all NBA team this year, Coca? There's no way he would have. I don't think that's possible, but I can't remember. It's from yesterday's show. He just looks old to me. He used to be able to take over games. When you have a chance to win at home, to force a game seven, you got to do it. Just like if you have a chance to clinch a game at home so you don't have to go on the road for a game seven, you got to do it. And both road teams won last night. We didn't have Jokic picked and the Nuggets, but we should have. They're the best team. I've now watched every team so many times in the playoffs. If you think the Nuggets are not the best overall team, you're not paying attention. And if you think that Jokic is not the best player in basketball, you're not paying attention. Certainly the best player left in the playoffs, but even more so the best player in the game could have had his third MVP in a row, should have had his third MVP in a row. With all due respect to Joel Embiid and to Giannis. The way MVPs work is that you've got broadcasters and writers and people in the media who get votes. It's the same way that the Cy Young, it's the Baseball Writers Association, they vote for MVP and Cy Young and Manager of the Year and Rookie of the Year. And there are many, many writers who take their responsibility very seriously because guess what, news alert, there's a lot of money at stake. Baseball's new collective bargaining agreement has this entire fund of money. And if you win the Cy Young, 
and you're a pre-arbitration eligible player, your salary goes from like 700 grand to 3 million. It's a huge deal to give a young player an award. It's a huge deal in the NBA to give a player all NBA. We talked about it with John Morant on a show recently. One of the moments in my relationship with Lebetard where we had an issue is when he did not take his Hall of Fame vote seriously and he let someone else do it for him. He's never been allowed to vote for the Hall of Fame since then, and that's the right result. He shouldn't be allowed to vote for the Hall of Fame. No one should be allowed to vote for anything important if you're not gonna take it seriously. And I come from the school of I want everyone to vote. Political elections, educate yourself and vote. 99.9% of the people who vote for these awards postseason awards take it seriously they have a reasoned approach that we may not agree with but there's a reasoned approach it's responsibly done mark jackson i love mark jackson an important part of a backcourt with the knicks when i when the knicks were my life didn't really follow college basketball didn't matter to me that he played for st john's wasn't really focused on him after he left because I was so focused on him and Ewing when they were together with the Knicks. He's now part of the top broadcast team in the NBA with Mike Breen. Wow, that's all a Nick connection. That's funny. Mark Jackson, Mike Breen, and Jeff Van Gundy. That's a whole lot of Nick connections. Mark Jackson, who got the short end of the stick coaching the Warriors, got run out of town. He now has a vote for MVP, and he did not vote for Jokic. Jokic. He did not vote for the starting center for the Detroit. <laughs> Hold on, Coco, what time is it? 8.35, can we stop now? No, we got 10 more minutes? All right, all right, wipe that. Can you do that? Four, six, nine. Mark Jackson had a vote for MVP and he did not vote for Jokic at all in his top five. And he got a tremendous amount of pushback. And it turns out we now know why because he voted for one center, two forwards, two guards in his top five, thinking that it must have been the All-NBA when you vote by position, but the MVP is not by position, so he had to apologize and say, by the way, who wouldn't think that Jokic deserves to be top five MVP? He's that good, my bad, my mistake. And I have a zero tolerance for mistakes like that. It's too big a responsibility, too much at stake. How do you mess that up? Don't you speak to your friends? God, I can't believe I have to put SGA here in my top five. Yeah, he deserves it, or does he? And I'm not quibbling with who Mark Jackson put in his top five, that's his vote. If you have a reason that you don't want to put Jeter on your first ballot as a first ballot Hall of Famer, that's your right. If you have a reason that you do not want someone to get an MVP vote, that is your right. In theory, you've earned the right to have your opinion. However, if the entire baseline assumption that you use prior to casting your vote is based on false information, yikes, that's a problem. And a problem that needs to be addressed. Like maybe we need to tell all the voters, here's how the voting's supposed to go. Or maybe, it should be writers who we know take it seriously. On February 9th, 2023, I had a wait to see, and we revisit them. The day they got Kevin Durant, 
I gave you a way to see to say the Suns will not even make the Western Conference Finals. And that was the day that everyone thought the Suns were going to the moon. We've got this. Championship or bust. Ishbia did it. New owner-itis, I called it. Overpaid, and the team wasn't going to even make it to the conference finals. Forget winning the NBA championship. Well, February 9th, 2023, that wait to see is done. Guess what? Yes. Second pick of the day yesterday was the Yankees beating the Rays. And how many times do I have to be reminded that the Yankees suck? They have no hitting, they have no pitching, and the Rays are the better team. How many times? I'm tired of it. I thought having the Yankees understanding how important the series was, a four-game series, getting game one. Nope. Missed it. Absolutely missed it. So, we went one and one last night. We're now 74 and 71. Let's go through some weekend picks, if you don't mind. Here we go. We've got a really interesting game tonight in the NBA that I wanted to point out to you. We've got Warriors getting two points from the Lakers. The Lakers have a chance to close out the reigning champion Golden State Warriors at the Great Western Crypto Forum. And if they lose, the Lakers are not eliminated. They just have to go back to the city by the bay and then the lights are gonna go on. Steve Perry's gonna come out and the Warriors are gonna advance. So this is game seven for the Lakers and LeBron. Here's the problem. As crappy as the Warriors were on the road during the regular season, they didn't really care much. They were busy. They were going out. Nah, I don't know if that's true. I don't want to sully them. But it's the regular season. Adam Silver told you, just like we did. The players don't care. You can be seated eighth and be the Heat. Be seated eighth and be the Florida Panthers. You can be the Golden State Warriors on the road in game six, getting two points over the Lakers. AD not hurt. He'll play. But the Warriors are going to win. Warriors plus two versus Lakers is my first game that we're going to pick Friday. We have another thing coming Friday. We've got the Heat playing. This is a pretty big one, actually. The Heat are playing the Knicks in Miami at the formerly AAA arena, the formerly FTX arena, now called the Kusai Arena. The reason I don't have that as a pick is that I'm not exactly sure which Knicks team is going to come out or which Heat team is going to come out. Because if the Knicks can actually shoot, if Brunson goes for 38 in 48 minutes, thank you for pointing out on Twitter what happened there, which was I said that no way Brunson would have 38 because I just reviewed 38 at the Garden with Jeremy Lin and Linsanity, and then he comes out and does 38 at the Garden. That's funny, isn't it, that he happens to get 38? So if Brunson comes out and can't shoot and the Knicks can't hit their threes, but Max does hit his threes and so does Duncan, then the Heat win. But the Knicks could easily win this game. Knicks are a good road team, so I'm not picking it. I'm just going to watch it. The Florida Panthers are also playing tonight. They've got a chance to advance to the conference finals over the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm not counting the Maple Leafs out, not picking it. Let's go to the other Florida team, the Marlins. There's something going on that's not going to get attention. And I would not, under any circumstance, have done what the Marlins are doing. I was always incredibly sensitive about what was happening with other teams in my city. I was figuring out what the Heat were doing, what the Dolphins were doing. We had PR people, yeah, PJ's entire group would get together with calendars 
So we would not announce certain things or announce certain things that we wanted buried, but things that were we wanted attention, we would not announce it when there was activity. The Marlins are calling up their best pitching prospect, maybe the best pitching prospect in all of baseball. The best Marlins prospect since Jose Fernandez. And he's pitching tonight. There's not one person paying attention to what the Marlins are doing in South Florida tonight. The Panthers and the Heat are playing. Why tonight? There's no magic to tonight. It didn't need to be tonight. Wait five days. Do it five days earlier. I want to get the maximum amount of attention possible. Now, I love the fact that the Marlins are playing the Reds. I don't love the fact that the Reds just beat the Mets. Did the Reds just beat the Mets, Coca, in that series? Did they win the series or did they just win yesterday? I know that the Mets lost to the Reds yesterday and that David Bell is on the hot seat because the Reds are terrible, but it just shows that the Mets are struggling too. I can't remember what happened, but anyway, the Reds are coming off a series with the Mets. They're playing the Marlins. The Marlins are favored minus 145 against the Reds. It is the debut of Yuri Perez that deserves to be watched. This guy touches 99. He can touch three figures. This guy has a wicked changeup, but most importantly, he is so dominant looking on the mound that it almost is like, and we loved drafting tall pitchers. Some worked out, some didn't. But the thing about tall pitchers is that what hitters will tell you, it's as though the pitcher is placing the ball in the catcher's glove, like not throwing it, but his arm is on top of your face by the time you see the ball and you can't swing and you can't get hits. But this guy, Yuri Perez, he hasn't faced major league hitters yet. This is his debut. It's gotta be a big deal. When we brought up Jose Fernandez, he was young too, did not have a lot of minor league experience. We did not wanna bring him up, the owner did, and thank God the owner won that battle, but I totally disagreed with it. And the reason I disagreed is he had not pitched enough minor league innings. I did not think he was ready. It is a different thing. Now, why do I bring up Jose Fernandez? Because it is rare that you bring up someone at this age and that person makes it as a sustained career. To waste a top prospect because you're desperate or you're having issues in your rotation, you're having injuries in your rotation, you better be right. Because if you're wrong, you're gonna cost your team for years to come. Now, your Perez debut against the Reds, I'm going the Marlins as my pick tonight because I want to bet the game because I want to watch the game, but I'm also going to be watching the Heat and the Knicks and the Panthers. Not sure how to deal with all the devices, but it's still worth it. Do you think that Kim Ang gave it one moment's thought about what was going on in Miami tonight? And do you think maybe that's part of the problem in general, that there's not a lot of thought going on, a lot of planning going on, just sort of a mishmash of things? So let's go. We're going to take Yuri Perez. We're going to take the Warriors, and those are our picks of the day. Tomorrow, I'm going to watch a baseball game, and my last pick for the weekend, if you want to watch a game tomorrow, there's no NBA tomorrow. The game seven of the Celtics-Sixers is going to be Sunday. The Knicks game seven would be Monday, but the Warriors game seven would also be Sunday. But there's a baseball game on Saturday that I wanted to pick. 
It's an interesting one between the Blue Jays and the Braves. And the reason I'm focused on it is it's my guy, Berrios, and we've done a pretty good job of knowing when to bet against him and knowing when to bet for him. And we have an opportunity on Saturday, I would assume to get plus money, but wait to see. Take a look at the line, but we're taking Berrios and the Blue Jays over the Braves. All right. Oh, I didn't get to Brett Favre. We got to talk about the fact that he dropped his lawsuit. Why are we not doing that? Pat McAfee's free. Ah, maybe we'll do that on Monday. Maybe there'll be other stuff to talk about. Wait to see. Have a good weekend. I appreciate all your time. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Thank you.